Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. Nostalgia Live Show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, 
proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Um, just to let you guys all know that if you want to listen to our library of shows, uh, I think now we have 75 shows, you can go to keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com and you can listen to any of them on there and you can also become a patron if you'd like. Once again, that's Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, all one word, dot podbean.com. Uh, today, it's my honor to talk to a gentleman who's won a couple of state championships in the state of Illinois. Uh, is the member of three Basketball Hall of Fames, one of them being the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and that is Larry Buddy Graham. Coach Graham, thank you so much for taking some time from your busy schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive and share your mem memories of this game of basketball that we all love. I always love talking about basketball, Billy, and thanks for calling me. Oh, no problem whatsoever. Coach, what, what sport was you, were you first introduced to? Who introduced it to you? And tell us a little bit about where you were born, raised, and your family. Oh, boy. I grew up in Scotland, Indiana, which a lot of people say, yeah, I've heard of Scotland. No, or they say Scottsburg. No, I'm saying Scotland. It's by Crane Naval Ammunition Depot, and Scotland's a town of about 30 or 50 people. And uh, so single mother, and she worked at RCA in Bloomington, Indiana, 33 miles away. And... Um, you know, I'm all by myself, so I'm in I'm in Scotland, and um, I just started playing uh, basketball. So basketball was my thing. I you know I played a little softball and baseball and things like that, but basketball has always been my thing. What was happening in the state of Indiana as you're kind of growing up and getting ready to go to Odin High School? I mean, what was the uh, what was the basketball uh, situation like there? What what was happening in uh, high school basketball at that time? You know, I, I look back and I think I must have had tunnel vision. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm just there. I'm, I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Uh, but I did idolize Oscar Robertson. You know, uh, we got a TV set, I think, in 1954, and that's when that Miling game was. And, uh, of course, I'd read the paper. I'd go down to Tootie's Restaurant, the only one in town, and he'd have the Indianapolis Star. And, and I read all the sports. And, uh you know, I read about those guys and and um, Indiana basketball with Chesty Potato Chips. To, you know, they were the big sponsor, and we'd go to Tootie's restaurant. He had a TV, and we'd all watch the Indiana games. So that's kind of what's going. Branson McCracken and they're running Hoosiers, and um, state tournament was so big, and uh, that's that's basically it. But I was a big uh, Oscar Robertson fan. What was I mean, I mean, I know there was no AAU back then, so how did you, when did you first play organized basketball, and where did you play and practice most of the time? You know, I, got, I was really lucky um, in, in a way, because I had a really good place to play. A block from my house was the high school. Of course, it was all one building, the, the elementary, junior high, and high school. And they had a nice basketball goal out back, and they had a 
they had a brick walls right by it. And when you missed, the ball would come right back to you. And I did a lot of missing. And <laughs> so the ball would, you know, I guess it helped my reflexes catching my shots that I missed, but it would come right back to me. And it was a great place to play. And then right by there, we had an old gymnasium. And uh, if, uh, it's been featured in some old magazines, but uh, it was like uh, oh, uh, the um, with the roof and the side and the, the side sloping down. You couldn't shoot a shot in the corner because you'd hit the roof. Had two pot belly stoves on the, in the middle of the court on each side. And I don't know who did this, but someone figured out how would you sneak in the gym on the weekends. And we'd have to crawl under the gymnasium, and there was a trap door that was always left open. And uh, I guess maybe I was the one that was crawling underneath there and uh, getting in the gym. So we had a great place to play in uh, little town of Scotland. Before getting to Odin, do you remember, did you used to go to their basketball games? Do you remember the first one that you went to? You know, um, uh, I mentioned my single mother, and uh, when I was like maybe the sixth grade uh, she got uh, remarried, and my stepdad was from Odin, and so he took me to a couple of Odin games, and he's a pretty big fan. And I, I do remember, um, I remember going uh, uh, to Odin. Had a really nice place to play, and uh, so that's the, probably the first high school game I ever saw, besides in Scotland. Of course, you know they had a high school, uh, which ended it like in '55 or sometime like that, and I'd watch all those games, but. Uh, besides Scotland, probably uh, playing or watching the games at Odin were the first games I ever saw in high school. And, and your first organized, did you play in junior high? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I wasn't any good. I played, um, um, you know, I was on the sixth grade team and the seventh grade team. And I barely remember it, but I do know that I, I didn't score any points. And, uh, uh, but I did play, and I just, uh, when I first picked up a basketball, I just loved playing basketball. When you got to Odin, was, was uh, basketball the only sport that you played at Odin? No, I played, uh, I played at every sport. Um, I, um, uh, you know, I played baseball, and I'd never seen a baseball game, and I was, I was on the baseball team, and uh, and of course, we played baseball in the fall, and then also in the spring. And of course, basketball was the big thing. And uh, they had a little little track and things like that, but nobody took any interest hardly in track. We might go to the conference meet, but it was all about basketball and some about baseball. Um, that you know, all all these people that I've interviewed, uh, uh, Roger Kaiser, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, Junior G. The list goes on and on. Uh, in Southern Indiana, you, you guys were mostly Cardinals fan, which, fans. Were you a Cardinals fan also? Uh, I was a Yankee fan. Okay. Uh, I love the Yankees, but then um, uh, I could get the KMOX, the Cardinal station, and so I would listen to all of the games uh, every night. I'd listen to the White Sox because you can get the uh, Chicago like station, but I was a huge uh, Yankee fan. In both baseball and basketball, did you have a, a favorite player that you, you, you wanted to be like or kind of emulated in your game? Well, Mickey Mantle was, was my favorite baseball player. and uh, But in basketball, of course, uh, you know, the big O, and, uh, uh, you know, you follow those guys. And uh, I watched Ron Bonham, who played at uh, Muncie Central, and I, I kind of I copied his shot because he had his shot up so high. 
And uh, I think my coach, Floyd Henson in high school, he, he liked him too, and he kind of emphasized me to raise up my jump shot when I was inside so people couldn't block it. And so I, kinda, I looked up mainly to, to Oscar Robertson. Did the Milan, the little school from Milan, of course, winning the state championship in 1954, did you follow that, or was that interesting to you, or did you, did you even think about that in the possibility of going to the small school that you were getting ready to go to? Well, uh, not really. I just, uh, I watched it. I was, um, uh, we just got in the TV we were, we were, we didn't have too much money back in those days. And, uh, so I, I just got in the TV and of course it was on television and, uh, yeah, I watched Bobby Plump hold that basketball for the whole second half. And, but I really didn't, I mean, I was all for Milan, and it, but, uh, I didn't really think that much about it. Uh, I'm not sure how old I was at that time either. Um, when getting ready to go to Odin, d- did they have a rich history in athletics or in basketball? Did they did they have a, a, a winning tradition? No, not, I don't think so. Um, I went to Odin because my stepdad went to Odin, and uh, you know I'm just like I said. I think I had tunnel vision. I'm just doing what what everybody told me to do. And uh, you know we had a, a principal at Scotland, uh, Norman Beasley, right? teammate the guy who led us in the in the tournament his dad was a principal at Scotland and you know I talked with him quite a bit and I know and I can't remember exactly but I know that that had some influence to me about uh, going to Odin because he was always talking about Odin high school and of course uh, then I met Norman through uh, his dad Walter Beasley. Now uh, was it while you were going to Odin or before you go to, went to Odin that uh, Bloomfield opened up? Yeah, Bloomfield, see, we, Scotland is 10 miles from Bloomfield and 10 miles from Odin. And uh, my best friend in town went to uh, Bloomfield, uh, Billy Asdell. He was quite a player there. And Bloomfield was really good. And then uh, when you go up, like I said, we had one restaurant, Tootie's Restaurant. It's a legendary place now. People, Old people still talk about it. But all they talk about is basketball. And, and all they talked about was uh, was the coach, uh, Coach Glover, who's a, a Hall of Fame guy in Indiana Hall of Fame, great coach. But all the small town and farmers, boy, they didn't like Glover, and they talked about Bloomfield, and they went to all the games, and there wasn't any talk about Odin, but, uh, so I was kind of the enemy. So once you got to Odin, did you have instant success as a freshman in basketball? No. I, um, you know, I played on the JV team, and, I, I, but, but I played all the time. I just practiced and and people thought there was something wrong with me because all I did was play basketball and we were very poor. But again, uh, I was very lucky that all I had to do was, uh, you know, bring in a bucket of coal every day and, um, (laughs) you know, and that's, and the rest of the time I could just play uh, basketball. So, uh, I, really, really played a lot. And then, and of course, as everybody knows, the more you play, the better you get. But I still wasn't that good as a freshman, but I, luckily I was like six foot tall, one of the taller guys and, um, played on the JV team. And, um, then uh, we had all five starters back when I was a sophomore, but the coach took a liking to me, coach Henson. And I'm sure this made a lot of players mad, but from the very first practice when I was a sophomore, I was on the starting five. Uh, and how the, 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 give us an idea of what the atmosphere like is at a game at Odin. And do you remember your first start, of course, your sophomore year, and, and what it felt like? 
I remember how nervous I used to get. I, I just really got nervous. But we had really good crowds, and uh, and as we got better, uh, when uh, like our our great junior team, as we got better, we used to. I mean, we'd have a full house, and and as we as we arrived to the game during the JV game, we would time it so that we could walk through the gym, and like maybe during a timeout or whatever. But then the fans would get up and applaud us, and we would walk through like in pairs, you know, going to the locker room, bringing our stuff to the locker room. That's kind of unique. I'd never seen that before. But Odin's a you know when you like any Indiana community when you win games, they get behind you 100 percent. Was it hard to get a ticket? Were there more people that went to the games in Odin that lived in the city? You know, I don't, I don't know because I live ten miles away, and I, I don't know. But I know we had good crowds. So uh, your junior year, your junior year was the most successful year at, at Odin, correct? That's right. As far as the team, um, we um, we had a pretty. When I was a sophomore with. Uh, Oh, Norm Beasley, Chuck Courtney, people like that. Uh, we won 17 games that year. And, uh, you know, we were pretty good. But um, as a junior, um, we had a lot of players back. And I remember we lost our first game. And then we started winning. And, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a really good run that year. Was travel, you know, everybody has watched the movie Hoosiers. When you guys would travel to other gyms, when you would travel to other gyms, was there a favorite place that you liked to travel to and a gym that you could just, the, the, the basket was a, like, you know, like, like a bucket of water? You know, not at that time. In, uh, uh, in, in college, it would have been down at Kentucky Wesleyan because the rims are so loose and everything would go in. But no, not at that time. I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a junior. The rest of the guys are seniors, and I just do what Beasley and all the guys tell me to do. Who was in your guys' sectional? Well, the big one was Washington, and, and uh, of course we had never beaten Washington. But uh, Montgomery was really good back in those days, as they are now. But they were good, and then we had Washington and. Uh, people like that but the big one was uh washington hatchets you know in in every in all my interviews that i do and and the people that i chat with there there's a special kind of passion for in southern indiana for high school basketball would you agree with that uh yes i would i mean it's almost to the i mean there's a in there's uh, there's respect for other teams but there's there's almost a there's almost a touch of hatred do i get that or am i am i (laughs) perceiving that incorrectly well, there's a big rivalry, and, and of course, mine was with Bloomfield. Uh, you know, being a local school where the, all the kids in Scotland, except for two or three, went to Bloomfield. But I've heard people talk about uh, Jasper, and they say, "I won't go through Jasper," you know, because <laughs> you know the rivalry with Huntingburg and Jasper and Dale and uh, Holland and those teams. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, Gunnar Wyman. Uh, <laughs> has a favorite tombstone uh, with, with his yeah. uh, his uh, dis, uh, despise of uh, of Jasper. Um, uh, so uh, tell us about that junior year. I mean, you guys uh, that was the first time you guys won a sectional uh, in Huntingburg, right? Was it Huntingburg or, or in Washington? Well, I was in Washington and uh, the, the regional. I get I always get that confused because Illinois is completely opposite. The first round is a regional, and that's the first time we'd ever won a regional, and I guess the only time. And uh, but. Yeah, we had great leadership on that team, and and Norm Beasley, a little guard, about five ten, quick, and and all this. Uh, 
well, he just started making everything, and, and he led us. And uh, uh, but we had great team chemistry, and uh, everybody could play, everybody could make free throws, and we played pretty good defense. A lot of people don't they don't think much about our defense, but uh, Coach Henson had us playing a switching man-to-man defense, and a lot of people thought it was his own. It was kind of innovative at that time. Uh, Beasley was a pretty good baseball player too, wasn't he? Oh, he was a great athlete. Uh, you know, he was he was good in everything, and uh, that's why I like in coaching. Uh, I always like it when there's a good player because there's gonna, there's going to be another one uh, with him. If Beasley hadn't lived ten miles away from me and milking cows all the time, I think I could have been a better player just playing working out with Beasley all the time. Now, Odin is no longer with us, correct? The high school. No, it's North Davis now, consolidation of Plainville and Eleonora and Odin. Okay, so you guys went to the semi-state your junior year. How well did you guys we fail? In, in, how well, uh, who did you guys play in that semi-state, or how did you guys prepare for that, or was it, was it overwhelming going that far, or how, uh, what were the team's, uh, 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 you know, a mindset? You know, I'm a young guy, so I'm, I, again, I do what they tell me. I'm just, and I'm sick. I had a really bad cold at that time, missed some of the parades, but... Boy, just beating Washington in the in the first round, uh, gosh, our fans, they marched across the gym floor and they had a big old hatchet that was uh, almost up to the ceiling. And they, you know, you're talking about maybe not hatred, but uh, being competitive and, and getting after it. That was just unbelievable, beating Washington. And then we just we just went on. We went to the next round at Honeyburg, and we'd never seen so many people. And I guess there were like 7,000 people, and we won both of those games on last-second shots. On we beat Vincennes, and uh, then we beat Huntingburg on uh, on last-second shots. And then we get uh, we're getting pretty cocky. We think we're a mile, and we're pretty good, you know. Now we go to Evansville at the semi-state, and we play Brazil, and we beat them handily. And then, of course, uh, we played New Albany in the ninth game. And that was uh, that was the last sudden death overtime game ever played in Indiana, and we lost that ball game. Can you give ever, the listeners a little rundown on how that sudden death and how that overtime worked during that game? Well, the first team that scored two points won the game. And, and uh, you know, this game was so devastating when we to lose because we were ahead by, like, maybe 10 points at halftime. And we were ahead the whole ball game, And we just, just didn't hang on. We missed some key free throws and at, at key moments. And, and allowed the game to go to overtime, and then it went to another overtime. And uh, then after two overtimes, uh, they, they, it, they called a sudden death. Uh, first team that scores two points wins the game. And uh, so a guy, Embra Whitfield, uh, comes down, and he had, really had no business taking a shot. It was probably 25, 30 feet out. Takes a shot, and I think he banked it in, and that was the game. So we lose the game. Now a little controversy in there because uh... – Either in the overtime or in the sudden death, uh, I, I have heard uh, through uh, lots of other people that uh, you may been you may have been fouled. Well, I, um, you know, we're holding the ball, and I think my ego got the best of me, you know. And I thought, well, I, I can drive to the basket, and so I drove hard to the basket and pulled up for a jump shot at the uh, edge of the free throw lane, and. Um, it, uh, it was guarded pretty close. I, I really, to this day, I don't think I was fouled. But the picture sure looks like it. There's a picture in the Evansville paper. It looks like that they, they really got all over me. But uh, I just missed a shot. I should have kept driving all the way, and maybe things would have been better. 
Now, uh, how many seniors were on your team that junior year, and how many, uh, how many, or how many came back your senior year, and what was your senior year like? Well, the, uh, the uh, we, we only had two juniors on that team, so the rest were seniors. And uh, well, we had Larry Souter, who was a freshman on that team. But um, then, the, then the next year, uh, all we had was uh, was Buddy Meek and myself uh, that had played on that team, and Larry Souter, who was a good player, but his dad was a principal and he got another job and moved away so uh, and we had a new coach and we did pretty well we won like 17 ball games but nothing like that junior year coach when did you get on the board for scouts and um, uh, when did people start wanting you to play for their university you know I got a lot of letters and and I thought those were offers but now I realize that they're just sending out letters to see if you have any interest but I did get a lot of letters and and things like that um, but my, uh, Floyd Henson was uh, really instrumental in, in making me who I am as far as a player. And he had some connections in Florida state. So I signed late with Florida state and I went to Florida state for maybe a week or I don't know, 10 days. And then I came home and went to Vincennes, uh, junior college. So, um, that's, you know, but I did get a lot of letters and I really wanted to go to Evansville. And I had dinner with Arad McCutcheon, but he didn't offer me a scholarship, which kind of broke my heart, but that's okay. And uh, so I ended up at Florida State and came back to uh, Ben Sands Junior College. Did you did you not like the uh, the weather in Florida or Florida State University itself? Or no, I was just immature, um, okay. you know, and I didn't know any better. <laughs> just you know, you can't be too smart at that age. I'm a 17 year old guy, and and uh, so. I thought, you know, I think I'll just come back and, and because the Vincennes coach, Alan Bradfield, was really he visited my house a couple of times, and and uh, I thought, you know, maybe I'll just go back and and play at Vincennes and see what happens. And so, and I had a ride. The main, the one of the main things is that uh, they had some other players from Indiana uh, down at Florida State, and um, a couple of parents were coming home, and and I was thinking about coming back, and they said, well, if you want to come home, I'll give you a ride home. So I had a free ride home, and I just took them up on it and came home. And and, and once you get to the campus, and once that uh, basketball season starts at Vincennes, it, it was like you left off just from high school, wasn't it? Well, I had uh, I had had some uh, surgery, um, appendicitis, and um, well, that's not right. That's well, I had a hernia. I had hernia operation, so I had to be careful in what I was doing. Uh, so, you know, it took me a while to get back in shape, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, I like Vincennes. I like to coach players and just took off from there. We had a good team and I think I averaged like 20 points a game and all is well. And how successful were both your teams at Vincennes? Good. We, we won 20, we were ranked, uh, but we lost early in the first round. This is before... I didn't realize this, but we were the first team to uh, integrate with uh, African-American players. And, um, of course, at the time, you know, I, I again, here, here's my tunnel vision uh, again, but I wondered why we had to stop, and you know, we traveled in the south in Kentucky and places like that, and I wondered why that we stopped at grocery stores and got bologna and lunch meat and ate that way. But... Um, but that was a lot of it. But that was later on. It was pretty eye-opening to me. But uh, but we had good teams, and we just we lost in the first round of the tournament. Never did make it out to Hutchison. 
And with uh, uh, Vincennes being a two-year school, where did you go for your other two years of basketball? Well, I went to Texas Wesleyan, uh, coached by Elmer Hannibal, who was a Huntingburg, Indiana native. And uh, you know, he was really, really uh, after me. And he'd, he'd call me um, uh, when I was in, uh, in high school. He'd call me every Sunday morning because we just got a telephone. And that phone would ring about 10 o'clock. And, of course, we all, the family knew it was Elmer calling me. So... I had a relationship with him. In fact, I did visit them when I was a senior in uh, uh, in high school. At what part of Texas was uh, that in? That's in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, what uh, what league were you guys in um, uh, up there in Fort Worth? We were in the Lone Star Conference, and um, we had good teams. We 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 won the league one year, and then uh, we lacked one game. Of, we're NAIA. And uh, we lacked uh, both years, and we lacked one uh, one game of going to the finals in uh, Kansas City. But we never made it, though. You know, it seems like in reading about you and in doing my research that your your game progressed all the way up to your senior year in college. Um, did you did once you got ready to graduate from college? Did you think about pro ball? Was pro ball on your mind? Or and when did that coaching idea come into your that um, light bulb? you know, light up and you think, you know, you know what, I'm, I may coach instead. You know, I always wanted to be a, a player and a pro or, and if I couldn't do that, I wanted to coach. I mean, that, that was always uh, in my mind. And w- I had a really good year at Vincennes my sophomore year and the coach called me in, Hall of Fame coach Alan Branfield. And he says, well, you're not going to be a pro player. And that's the first I heard about that. And I thought, wow, I thought I'd be a pro player. <laughs> And I remember he told me, he says, uh, you just, you don't play defense. And I said, I said, coach, I'm the, I'm the best defensive player you got. He says, you're right, but you still don't play good defense and you're not quite quick enough. So, so that's when my eyes opened. And then I went down to Texas and they played a completely different style. And it took me a while to adjust, you know, to, uh, to that style. And I had a great time down there, but I didn't play as well as I would have liked down there, but their style was more like it is today. It was like uh, freelance and wide open and, uh, you know, dribble, penetrate, kick out and things like that. And whereas the Vincennes was really controlled and, uh, and that's what I was good at. Cause I, you know, they would work that ball and usually I'd take that shot. So anyway, um, but I, I guess when I was, uh, when, when the coach said, you're can you're not going to play pro. That's the first time. So the coaching, so once you once you leave Texas, where, where's your path take you? Well, <clears throat> interesting. Uh, I was married to um, Juanita, who grew up in Freelandville, Indiana. Uh, the coach, uh, coach and I got along great. Coach Hannibal and I was uh, signed to go to Baylor University as a grad assistant because he knew I wanted to coach. And uh, we'd even been down to Waco and looked for a house and and had actually talked about renting this place. And then we get a phone call from North Knox, which is a, uh, a consolidation of Freelandville, Bicknell, uh, those towns right outside of Vincennes, and they had a, a, a job opening for me and for my wife. So we didn't have any money, and we came back and talked to them, and we thought, well, we better take the paycheck. So that's what we did. And, and what was that like going back to Indiana? Did you feel back at home, and how long did that stint last? Well, uh, yeah, I was there a year, and uh, that was a pretty controversial time because they fired all the coaches. 
Um, and uh, Dick Jones, Richard Jones, was the head basketball coach. He was, he was a great coach and head coach at Bruceville and all that. And um, But they fired the football coach, a guy named Dick Meter. He became the Football Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, those back in those days, if they didn't like you or if you didn't win some of the games, they just fired you. And they would fire the whole staff. And uh, so I got fired my first year back. And I was pretty shocked because I wasn't quite ready for that. But then I went and got my master's degree at Indiana State University. And and is that when you start coaching over in Illinois? It was. I was looking for any kind of job. And job opened up in a small town in Mount Auburn, Illinois. And I went over there and I was there uh, one year and coached. Didn't win very many games. And um, so then I wanted to get a little bit bigger school, and I went to uh, St. Elmo and stayed there for a couple of years and still didn't win a whole lot of games. And uh, we had a pretty good tournament run, and uh, a job opened up at Madison, Illinois, and uh, which was in Metro St. Louis. And I'd always kind of liked St. Louis, and so I applied and got that job, and that's probably the turning point in my coaching career. What was, did you want to leave Indiana and, and, and then the rich tradition? I'm not saying any other states don't have a rich tradition in basketball, but was it, right. ha- was it hard to leave the state of Indiana and go to Illinois? Or you, that's just, that's just you, 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 you had a gut feel and went? No, I looked for jobs. Uh, Hugh Schaefer, you know, he, I mean, he was always been my agent. Uh, you know, I love the guy and he took me around to some places and, and uh, he says, uh, you know, buddy's looking for a job. And, uh, but, you know, jobs were kind of hard to get. And um, it's probably my fault, too. I probably didn't start looking early. I kind of waited till the middle of the summer. It's, it's kind of late to do that. So you take what you got. But being, you know, traveling a little bit and being in uh, Texas, uh, I didn't mind going to Illinois at all. And that's what I did. What, what are the differences or how would you compare the high school game in Illinois when you first got there to the high school game in Indiana? And is, was it set up? Was it one class system also while you were there? Uh, in the beginning in Illinois, it was one class system, but the difference was the fans in Indiana, the fans are, you know, they come out to see, uh, uh, everybody knows all about basketball, the women and, and uh, everybody in Illinois. It's not that way, but, Certain parts of Illinois are that way. Like Southern Illinois is a lot like Southern Indiana, and uh, and they really went after basketball. But um, but that's the difference was just the enthusiasm of the fans. Now now two state championships, seventy uh, seven and eighty one. Yeah, I got in a great situation, and um, I had uh, mostly African American players. Uh, I had some contact like in college with uh, some African-American players uh, where I grew up in Scotland there was a naval base and uh, my mom used to take in ironings to, and uh, I know some of the black officers over there she even ironed for them so you know it's not like that I'd never seen a black person before in my right. life and and uh, but uh, when I got there you know I'm not a I don't try and be a tough guy or anything, but I try and get along and work with people and communicate with people. And uh, we seem to, I seem to communicate well with the African-Americans. And once I learned how to coach a little more, we got pretty good at Madison High School. 
And was it set up like a sectional, regional, semi-state, ch state championship? It was. It was. Um, you know, again, it's, it was opposite than uh, than Indiana, uh, which still causes me problems here. But um, uh, the first round was a regional, and um, so then um, then we go to the next level, and we get to the. Um, uh, I'm getting my Indiana Illinois stuff confused here, but, they, but Illinois would take eight teams to the state. Okay. And um, whereas, of course, Indiana only takes four teams. So you have your success in '77 and '81. In between that time span, are you uh, uh, are you approached by anybody to take different jobs? Did you turn down turn down jobs? And and how long did you stay at Madison? You know, I was at Madison 15 years. Um, the, the big break for me was a class system. Uh, we were uh, we were a pretty small school to play against uh, the big schools like East St. Louis, Collinsville, all the Belleville schools. But we did play them. And then in about 72, they started the class system, class A and class AA. And, of course, we were in the smaller one. Well, immediately we became a power because of our schedule, because we still played all double-A schools. And, uh, and again, once we, once we developed our players a little bit, and, uh, you know, we were, we were good. And we had, a, we had a, uh, probably the best team I had didn't win the state. It was the year we, we weren't sure how to, you know, how to go about it. you got to learn how to win. And uh, on the way to the state, we lost. And then the next year, in 77, we won the state for the first time. Uh, where was the state championships held in uh, Illinois? At the University of Illinois. And, and, um, and it's funny because the, the, uh, the smaller Class A schools would outdraw the AA schools. And there would be like 12, 13, 14,000 uh, at that time watching the games. And in the AA, I had a lot of Chicago schools, and uh, and they didn't draw as well as those. Uh, of course, the Class A, the small schools, they just went crazy. All the fans went to the games. And uh, those were great times. We won the state in 77 and uh, 81, and we're up there maybe a couple other times. Uh, do you still have relationships with those uh, team members and coaches from 77 and 81? You know, I do. Uh, I'm a Facebook guy, and of course, we communicate on Facebook, and I'm uh, close to my uh, my assistant coach, David Hodges, a uh, uh, great American, a great guy. And uh, so, yeah, I still have relationships. And uh, when we get together, we talk about the old days. And and when did you did you test the waters yourselves? Or when did college coach come around? And, and why did you make that choice? You know, I always wanted to coach it um, in college. And uh, so... Um, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville was our local college. And so in 1981, we just won the state. Well, I knew a couple of people, uh, important people on the board, and uh, they said uh, they, they wanted me to be the coach. And I remember that, uh, and of course, a lot of it is politics. And so I saw the local senator, and he called the president, and he says, I want uh, Larry Graham as my basketball coach. And this is a guy who the gymnasium is named after, Vidalabine. I'm thinking in 1981, I'm going to be the next coach at Southern Illinois. So they interview me, and then I realized after the interview, they're not really interested in me. 
So I stay at Madison, and then a couple of years later, the job opens up, and I really wasn't sure about going up there because I wasn't very happy about what happened in 81. But in, um, I guess, 83, 84, um, I interview, they offer me the job. I have to take a $10,000 pay cut, but I did, and I'm glad I did. Tell us about that experience. I mean, was it difficult to go from the high school game to the college game? And, and what were the major difficulties within the college game? You know, it, it wasn't different coaching. Uh, recruiting is a whole different thing. And, uh, but, but the coaching part was, uh, I mean, I was ready to, as far as coaching is concerned. But just being able to fit in a university and, and to, uh, to get along and uh, to know how to operate and uh, succeed in a university atmosphere. That was a hard thing for me because, um, you know, I really, I wasn't ready for that part and we didn't have an athletic director for me to lean on. The job was open, stayed open for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I could have used a little bit more help and, and I could have done a lot better job as far as getting along with people and things like that. But, we, you know, the first year we, we won a few games. We beat Rice State. They were ranked number one in the country, huge upset. Then, this, then the next year, when I was able to get our players in, thanks to my assistant coaches, um, we were good. We went to the national tournament. What kind of it, other, and how long were you at uh, uh, Edwardsville? I was there eight and a half years. But I was, and had a good record. In fact, I, uh, uh, we still own the most, uh, the most wins ever by a coach there, but that's because they're not real good and because the coaches don't stay long. But, uh, yeah, I was there eight years and, um, but I, you know, I wasn't a good fit. And so, uh, we went our separate ways and then I went back to high school. And did you have more success at high school after you left uh, Edwardsville? Well, I went over to St. Louis and, uh, not really. I went over to St. Louis and uh, a little over 500 at, uh, at Oakville in South St. Louis County. Uh, but it was good for me because I went back in the classroom and actually learned how to teach. And, uh, you know, I was a teacher coach and was there at uh, Oakville for 10 years, but only coached there like five years. And I coached at a junior college, uh, St. Louis Community College at Florissant Valley. And what was that like? Well, it was good. I'm probably, it was a good fit for me because I'm back with the kids like the, like I had at Madison, the African-American kids, uh, that I could relate to, poor kids, uh, trying to help them, uh, help them in their life and their character and getting through school. And uh, I relate well to those kids. And uh, we had good teams. Did you have a lot of players in your, your high school that you had to help uh, and they went on and played college basketball? You know, we did. They were um, they they weren't great players. The best player I had was Ronnie Jones. He played at Illinois State, and when in, in 1974, 75, and uh, he played on the team that might have been our best team that lost uh, early in the tournament. But uh, Ronnie was a great player and was drafted. Uh, never made it into pros, but he was like a six foot four point guard, and he held some records at Illinois State for quite a while. He was in the top ten and scoring, uh, assist, steals when he uh, graduated. Was uh, both in 77 and 81 when you won your state championships, do you remember your feeling after you won them? 
You know, 77, it happened, so it was just there. I mean, I, uh, you know, you're euphoric, you're happy, but it happened so quick. And um, uh, we, um, you know, we just, uh, again, we played a great schedule. And, uh, and then once we got up there, I mean, uh, we didn't have, uh, well, we had some close games. But, uh, the teams were actually, we thought they were better than down in our area, but, uh, but we win, and um, you know, then we. Um, but it, it happened so quick, I didn't really have time to appreciate it. In '81, uh, I had a great team in '81. And, you know, I keep saying the team in '75 might have been better. Well, the '81 team was was obviously the best team I had, and um, so then I had, uh, you know, we had some. We played against the number one team in the state. Uh, out of Chicago, and we beat them in the in the first round by two points, last second. And then the Cairo had a great team, and uh, we beat them in overtime. And so, uh, and then the final game, we won easily in the final game. So I had time to enjoy it in 1981 more so than 77. So you have you have a couple pieces of hardware that you can wear on your hands. <laughs> I have some rings. Uh, I do. I'm. You know, uh, pretty proud of that. And uh, you know how it is when you're coaching and, and everybody thinks, well, you know, they got all that talent and all that. And we did. We had some athletes who were great athletes. But they haven't won the state championship since then. And, um, you know, it's just not that easy because everything, uh, you got to communicate and get on the same page and everybody's got to share the ball and be for each other. Coach, what did it feel like? Do you remember the phone call when someone told you that you were being inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? I remember the phone call. Hugh Schaefer calls me, and they, uh, they, uh, he and Jerry Osmond, and um, so they, they, they worked so hard to get Lloyd Bateman in the Hall of Fame. He's a local legend in Plainville, and it was really hard to do. And I remember that Schaefer calls me and says, you know, we were talking. We think that we can get you in the Hall of Fame. And I said, you got to be crazy. And um, so it kind of went from there. And, you know, they got, uh, uh, you know, when you get those two guys on your side, that's a, that's a lot of it right there. And uh, so it didn't happen the first or second year, but it did happen. And it was just, uh, it was a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, one of the highlights of my life. Have you been to the uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? I have, and it's it's great. One of one of my best friends is in the uh, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in Knoxville. Uh, Lee Polarski, she was uh, my boss, my athletic director at uh, junior college. And uh, she went and visited, and she said, you know, this Hall of Fame in Indiana is better than the Women's National Basketball Hall of Fame in Knoxville. So, uh, boy, it is, I can't imagine any state having a better Hall of Fame than the one that we have in Indiana. Now, you're also a member of two other states. Would that be Missouri and Illinois? Yeah, Missouri and Illinois. Uh, Illinois for the coaching. Um, uh, and in Missouri, I'm, not, I'm still not sure how I got in Missouri Hall of Fame, but I, you know, I coached in Missouri, and, uh, you know, and I knew some people, and I guess they needed a St. Louis person, and they counted me as a St. Louis person, so I got in the Missouri Hall of Fame. And, uh, again, I'm still not sure how I got in there, but I didn't turn it down. Uh, Coach, how long have you been uh, – do you still teach? I teach at Lindenwood uh, St. Charles and Lindenwood Belleville. Those are Lindenwood uh, University. That's a Division II school in uh, beautiful St. Charles, Missouri. I teach education classes. 
And I also teach over at the Lindenwood Belleville. It's um, kind of it's a branch of uh, University of St. Charles, but they're NAI school, different affiliations. And uh, yeah, I teach. I enjoy teaching. I don't want to do too much of it, but uh, but I you know it gives me something to do, and I and I enjoy it and like uh, helping young people. How long have you been out of coaching? Uh, I've been out for, gosh, several years. Of course, I think about coaching every day. But after I read Roger Kaiser's book, and he's still coaching the eighth grade team, uh, gosh, I, I'm thinking, why can't I do that? And if I was, if I was close to a situation, you'd be, you'd see me coaching. Or if I, if I was, uh, I've had some opportunities to help people, but uh, you know, I don't want to have to drive 20 miles or 30 miles to help the person. So, but if I was really close to somebody that I really uh, I liked and appreciate, I'd be coaching right now. And that book, the title, if it feels like leather, shoot it, right? Right. That kind of reminded me of me. I wasn't afraid to shoot. <laughs> Did you ever play against uh, Roger Kaiser? No, he's like uh, four or five years older than I am. Uh, you know, we and we were. It's funny. We were at Kentucky Wesleyan with our teams, um, probably in the '80s or early '90s, and uh, we didn't play each other though. But uh, they had they brought four teams there, and it was in the national tournament. And I remember we uh, we lost to Kentucky Wesleyan in overtime, and then we played a third place game, and I think it was against um, uh, might have been against Wright State. I'm not sure, but we uh, we didn't play against his West. He was coaching West Georgia at the time, and uh, you know when you get that level, you're good. I mean, they were good, we were good, but we just didn't play against each other. Coach, do you go to the get together that they have every summer over there in Southern Indiana, the Legends Golf Outing? I do. Hugh Schaefer and Joe Todrink, they make me go. And uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Junior G, Junior G, um, I, I've known him and talked with him, and he, he gave me the idea. He says, you know, I go back to Indiana for two weeks every year. And I thought, you know, why don't I do that? So what I do, I go, uh, I get a timeshare in French Lick. And I make sure it's that week, and then I I go to that, and and then I play in the golf outing, and then I visit uh, old friends like Beasley and teammates and things like that, and relatives, and I have a great time that week. Well, uh, uh, Coach Joe Todrank uh, actually invited me this year, so I look forward to. Hopefully, you'll be there so I can meet all you guys uh, that I've chatted with and uh, uh, have interviewed. Well, you'll have a good time, I, I guarantee you. And if you can stick around and uh, play in that golf outing, you'll have a great time. So it's, they kind of they do those uh, uh, one after the other. So it's a good deal. You'll like it. Well, I'm going to participate. That doesn't mean I'm going to be competitive. <laughs> Coach, Coach, once you got out of Texas, did you try out for, for any professional ball squads or was there any, um, any interest or did you try out for anybody? You know, not really. Um, I'd like to, but then I, I got involved in, in, uh, in teaching and, uh, you know, I didn't know how to teach. I, uh, when I was in, uh, in, in college in Texas, uh, my student teaching was in coaching basketball. And so I had never really learned how to teach in the classroom. Uh, so I was all involved in trying to learn how to teach a little bit. And, and then, uh, but once I got down in the St. Louis area where uh, semi-pro league, I played in that league and, uh, but I found out quick that you can get hurt playing in that league because, you know, the officiating is not great and uh, players are good and rough. And um, I don't know. So after a while, I just quit playing probably when I was – I probably played about 10 years after I got out of college. 
What do you think of the state of the game in Indiana today? I know, I know you only go back a couple weeks at a time, but uh, do you think they really screwed it up by make, taking it to a class system? Do you think they did the right thing? Will it ever be fixed or we just live with it? Well, live with it. We're, mixed emotions. Uh, you give so many more schools an opportunity, you know, to play in the state tournament. But in 2012, when I was inducted in the Hall of Fame, I stayed for the week and I went to the Final Four. And um, I thought, you know, back when I was in Indiana, the games were all sellouts. You know the Damon Bailey story with all yeah. the fans that they had once that game. There was about 10,000 in the afternoon session, and then at nighttime they brought in Class 3 and 4, and there was about 10,000 again. I was really disappointed in the crowd. So I got a lot of mixed feelings because I understand. Uh, I was really against the uh, against that at first, and then even in Illinois I was against that because I was raised in, uh, in Indiana with the one-class system. But I saw what it did for me, and uh, uh, but, boy, it does give those schools an opportunity to be in the tournament, and uh, it's something that you never forget. Those are great experiences uh, for the high school kids and coaches, and, you know, you have celebrations, reunions, and all that. You never forget those things, and uh, so I'm more for that than against it. Now, in the state of Illinois, has the game progressed any since you left the high school game in Illinois? Well, it's it's good basketball. I mean, um, you know, the city game, the metropolitan game. I mean, there's there's good teams, uh, and I'm close to uh, a lot of the coaches. Uh, uh, I'm on a, I'm on a board where um, where we nominate people for the Illinois Hall of Fame. But, uh, I mean, there's some really good teams, and, uh, and there's, uh, to me, it's just like Indiana. I mean, there's great, great players, and Southern, Indi- Southern Illinois has good crowds, big gyms. Uh, Centralia, Illinois, has a tremendous Christmas tournament. Uh, it'd be hard to top the Centralia Christmas tournament anywhere because uh, every game is a sellout, and a beautiful gym seats about 6,000 people. But... Um, uh, you know, I see a lot of similarities in the Indiana and Illinois basketball. Uh, Coach, would you uh, be open to coaching again? Yeah, I think about it every day. <laughs> but it, again, when you're my age, you know, you need. I mean, it's got to be the right situation. And and I'd really like to uh, to help somebody. When I uh, the way I got to Lindenwood was one of my former players, a 27 year old. Uh, admissions guy, they offered him the head coaching job at Lindawood, and he says, Coach, I can't do this unless you come over and help me run this program. So, and I was at the junior college then, and so I did that, and that kind of, that, that got me in Lindawood, and we, uh, you know, we we did well, and um, by, uh, when he left, I stayed there, and I, that's when I started teaching. Do you think there are misconceptions, or what do you think the biggest misconception is about junior college basketball? Well, a lot of people think it's not very good. It's 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 a different style. Uh, I used to call it dodgeball, but <laughs> it, you know, it's just a it's a, there's there's a, there's a Division One players running around. I mean, they just uh, I mean they're great athletes, and uh, uh, if you're a if you're one of the uh, a, a white player who has uh, is a great shooter. And you want to go at a higher level, a lot of them, they'll go to the junior college. So they'll be on each team, there might be one or two of those kind of players. The rest of them are all African-Americans, basically. And, boy, they're good. I mean, you, you learn a lot about life and about how people are different. But 
don't underestimate the quality of junior college basketball because every team will have two or three Division One players on it. Uh, what does Coach uh, Buddy Graham do for uh, do for fun? Well, I play golf, <laughs> and um, I'm not very good. I'm better than Beasley, but I'm not not real good. Uh, I'm taking fishing lessons. How do you like that? Oh, interesting. And um, no, actually, I got a, uh, my best buddy here in town. He fishes every day, so I hang out with him. But um, I've had I've had some back surgery, so I'm recovering from that and just trying to get healthy again. Coach, where where did the nickname Buddy come from? Buddy Buddy was always my name, and um, uh, all through everywhere, all through high school, and uh, well, and growing up as Buddy or Bud. And uh, nobody ever called me Larry. And when I came to Illinois, they started calling me Larry. And then uh, I'm coaching uh, junior college basketball, and we go back to play at Vincennes, and they give me an award at Vincennes. And they said, welcome back, Buddy Graham. Well, my players heard me call Buddy. <laughs> of course, the next thing you know, they, they started calling me Buddy. Hey, Buddy, you know. And then there's a whole group of people now that in St. Louis area that call me Buddy. So I I don't know. I'm stuck with it. So <laughs> it used to if somebody would call me and and ask for Bud, I'd know it was a close friend. Or Buddy, I'd know it was from Indiana. But Larry, I would know it would be somebody from you know around here. But uh, it's not that way anymore. I'm called Buddy quite a bit now. It's funny you say that because. I go by Billy. I've always been Billy since, right. since I was little. And someone will call me up and ask for William. I know they <laughs> e- either want to sell me something or they want money. Yeah. And then they try and exactly. switch it up. Then they try and switch it up and call me Bill. Oh, you're getting sneaky on me there. It's always yeah. been Billy. Um, yeah. you, 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 hit, you hit on something that I'd like to talk about. Um, what was it like? You said that uh, you got to go coach one of your junior college teams and go play Vincennes. We did, yeah. Um, what was that like, we, or how did that feel for you to go back to uh, the Texas Oh, it was great. It was great, because I used to go back, and uh, I used to work a, a junior college uh, camp in the summertime, so a Rick Ball junior college camp. So I'd go back there. So I've been back a few times, and, of course, I have a lot of clo- uh, close friends back. But I was worried about taking my team back, because, you know, Vincent is a big-time powerhouse. And, uh, but I remember the team we took back and it, it was, uh, you know, that, that, that team had won 20 games. They were pretty good, but, uh, we had Vincent's down like 10 points at halftime. We couldn't miss any shots. And I'm starting to think, uh, we're going to win this game. Well, then they got serious coach sparks, uh, probably chewed them out at halftime and they came out and blew us out. But it was, uh, it was fun going back and, uh, you know, seeing some of the, uh, people and, uh, you know, Gazella and, people that uh, stayed around Vincennes. It was good to see Coach Sparks get inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Do you agree? Very deserving and, uh, you know, a great coach. Uh, and I think uh, people don't understand about his playing career because he played quite a bit in the pros. And he was a guy that would fit in. I followed him. And uh, he was with Coach Mata for a while. But he would just uh, – he's a great guy to have as a backup player because he's, you know, he's going to say the right thing and work hard and, and uh, make it happen. Uh, Coach Buddy Graham, thank you so much. A multiple state championship coach, 
uh, in three different uh, basketball state basketball Hall of Fames. I thank you so much. I think this is going to be very interesting to the listeners, especially to, since it's a little little bit different perspective of being out of that that Indiana and into the Illinois. You kind of give us a, a little bit of idea of the uh, inner workings of the game in Illinois. I thank you so much for your, uh, sharing your time, and uh, we appreciate you help, help keeping the nostalgia alive. Billy, it was great talking to you, and I will be on your website. Trey, Illinois, he, he likes to do that. And John Garrett, there's an Indiana guy, when we when I was inducted in 2012, I was seated right beside a John Garrett, another guy, he's like seven foot tall, played at Purdue. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, so anyway, this guy, this John Garrett guy is from uh, Illinois, and he's about five foot eight, you know. he's a, He was a leading scorer in Illinois, played at SIU Carbondale, inducted into their Hall of Fame, so I mean, he was a player himself. But he used to get mail. This is a funny story. He used to get John Garrett's mail, and it would come to Patoka, Illinois. And he was getting letters from all these big majors and colleges and, and, and stuff. And uh, So we reminisce and talk about that. And I told uh, Big John about little John getting all of his mail, and he thought that was kind of humorous. You, you talked uh, uh, several times about uh, Hugh Schaefer. What did he mean to you? What What is he to you? Is he in relation to the Schaefer that, uh, uh, from a while back that played in the NBA years and years ago? Oh, no. No, no, no. He's a, he's a guy that uh, he just makes things happen. Indiana historian. Uh, yeah, you, uh, yeah, you, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to be really interested in if you can get some get talk with him. But he knows everything about Southern Indiana basketball. Uh, but he has always been in my corner, and I always say that if uh, if Schaefer would have been my agent, I would have been coaching at Illinois because he probably would have got me the job at Illinois. You know, so well, Ryan, Schaefer's an he's an amazing guy. Has he written any books? He's written a lot of articles. I don't know why he hasn't written a book, but he he taught history at South Knox, uh, coached some little. Um, it was not a, he was on the high school team at Freelandville, you know, a really small school. And it's funny because I talked to his high school coach, and I said, was Schaefer any good as a player? And he said, no. <laughs> he said he was a, probably the worst player on the team. But he said, here's, here's, what, here's what he did. He said he would, he would always sit beside of me. He said no matter where, he would, where the coach was sitting, Larry Sockles, the coach's name, he said wherever the coach was sit, Schaefer would be right beside of him. And he'd say, after a while, Schaefer would say, I think you got to put so-and-so in the game. You know, he'd say, so-and-so's tired. Why don't you sub this? <laughs> he just kept telling him what to do all the time. Well, he hasn't changed. Schaefer hasn't changed. You can ask Sam Alford about that because Schaefer was Sam's assistant. He used to come over and help Sam and, uh, and, and Sam's wife and help dress uh, uh, Sam for the game, make sure he wore the right tie and all that stuff. I mean, it's, he's funny. There's a lot of funny stories out about Hugh Schaefer. Well, you know, the, my passion of the game came from uh, my athletic director was Gene Ring, and he played for Branch McCracken and coached under Branch McCracken for a little mm -hmm. while. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I did not have any talent for the game of basketball and, of course, went to Broderville High School. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually got to sit on the bench that game where Steve Alford in 1983 in the semi-state scored 57 points and went 25 for 25 from the line. 